Welcome to the Church on the Rock podcast. It is our prayer that this message brings hope and encouragement into your life as you go about your week. Thanks for tuning in. Buenos dias, Iglesia. Good morning, church. How's everybody doing today? Awesome. Thank you so much for this opportunity, Papa Dios and Pastor Brian. Um, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Alma Ibarra. I am married to that handsome man over there, Pete. And I have one son, Nick. Can you guys stand up for a minute? I want to show you off. Thank you. And uh, I am an ordained minister with the Assemblies of God. I was ordained in May of last year. And so to have this opportunity to get in front of you guys to share the word of God is just an amazing um, thing for me. So I thank you um, in advance for listening, and um, I am just thrilled to be here and glad to see all of your wonderful faces here today. Um, Pastor Brian pretty much summed up what's been going on um, the last four weeks, so I'm going to spare you going through it all over again, but I will mention it in the message. I, uh, first of all, want to um, pray before we get started. So, here we go. Oh, Espíritu Santo de Dios, gracias, Señor. Gracias, Padre amado, por esta oportunidad, Señor, que tú nos has prestado, Señor, estar en tu presencia. Espíritu Santo, baja, Señor. Baja, Señor, y abre los oídos y las... Y las Las mentes, Señor, y los corazones, Padre amado, para que puedan recibir lo que tienes tú para ellos hoy. Holy Spirit, thank you so much for being here today with us. Thank you for your presence, Lord. Thank you for preparing this place, Lord God. I ask, Lord God, that you would prepare the hearts, Lord God, that you would prepare the minds, Lord, so that they can receive your beautiful um, people would receive what you have to serve them today, Lord God. And we just ask, Father God, that you would give us all a fresh anointing today, Lord God, that you would show us, Holy Spirit, all truth, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for what's about to be done here today, Lord God. I pray that lives would be changed, Lord God, that transformation would take place, Lord God, and that we would put into practice, Lord, the message that we're going to hear today. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being with us today. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. Amen. All right, so um, many of you may know I've been a children's entertainer for over 20 years, so I like to tell stories. And so I'm going to start out with a story for you today. In Spanish, they're called reflexiones. Boy, I rolled that out pretty good today. Usually Puerto Ricans can't do that, so I've been practicing a little bit. Um, So a reflexión is basically a parable, and it's a short story that has a truth or a meaning behind it. So today, we are, um, the the title of the sermon is, what's the title of the sermon? Lord, help me. No, just kidding. The the title of the sermon is, no, really, I did forget. No. Uh, It is, um, don't just live. Live with passion. Live with passion for Jesus, especially. So this story takes place in a workshop. And... uh, 
All these tools, you'll see them here. I don't know if you can see them, but um, we have a bunch of tools here. And all these tools got together, and they um, decided that they wanted to have a meeting. Why a meeting? Because they wanted to discuss their differences. And so the hammer, being the strongest, decided that he would be the leader of the meeting. Don't worry, I'm not going to fling it or, you know, do anything with it. So, yeah, there's actually uh, safety helmets underneath here. No, just kidding. All right, so um, the hammer decided that he is going to lead the meeting. But, you know, the other tools didn't agree with that. So they said, you know what? We're going to make you step down, and you're going to be the first one to leave the workshop. Why? Because you make too much noise. You're too noisy, and you're always banging on stuff. So the hammer said, okay, I'll leave, but I won't leave before I take somebody with me. So I vote that I take the screws with me. Why the screws? Well, because you have to give them way too many turns before they're of any good use. So the screw said, oh, really? You want me to leave the workshop? Okay, then... I vote that the sander has to leave too. Why? Because it's rough in its treatment with everybody. And uh, it always causes friction in some way or another. So I vote that the sander be removed. So the sander said, okay, well, in that case, then I move that the measuring tape be removed from the workshop. Why? Because it's always sizing up people and it thinks it's so perfect. So, the um, measuring tape didn't get a chance to speak because all of a sudden, here comes the carpenter. He picks up his apron and he puts it on. And he grabs his piece of wood, and he grabs the hammer, and he starts using the screws, and the sander, and he utilizes the measuring tape, and he gets to work. And so then, what happens is, he finished what he was doing with that piece of wood. And all of those tools came in handy to produce something beautiful. And that's the same with us. The Lord can take all of us with all of our weaknesses and all of our different flaws, and he can make something beautiful out of you. In the hands of the carpenter, in the hands of our master, he can produce something beautiful out of you. So when the tools realized that they were all utilized to create such a beautiful piece, the saw stepped up and he said, gentlemen, it has been demonstrated that in spite of all of our flaws and weaknesses, the carpenter utilizes us all in unity, and he produces something beautiful 
with our help. So let's not concentrate on our weaknesses. Instead, let's focus on our strengths. And that's what the Lord wants us to do too. He wants us to focus not on our weaknesses or our flaws, but on our strengths. Why? Because here's what happens. When we concentrate on all this negativity, all this negative stuff, what we're not good at, then what that does is it turns us into a bunch of complainers. Yeah, nobody likes complainers, right? No. And you know what that does is instead, instead of um, doing what we need to do and instead of using the gifts that the Lord has given us to use to, to make things beautiful, to make this world a better place, to go out and reach the lost, to help save people and bring them to Christ, then what we're doing, if we focus on our negative stuff and talk about each other and not get along and not work in unity, then what we're doing is we are making a lot of noise. We're making a lot of noise and wasting a lot of valuable opportunities for us to do ministry together. Okay. So the moral of the story is that when people start looking at each other's flaws and weaknesses, whether it be in the workplace or in our case here at church, we end up with negative attitudes. So let's try to clean that up. All right, cool. So as I told you, the um, sermon title for today is don't just live live with passion live with passion for jesus jesus had the power to do what he did here on earth and so do you do you know that yeah you do if you're a follower of jesus you possess the power that can transform your life your church the world and your community even how do i know this Some might be thinking, yeah, right. Well, I'll tell you how I know it. It's in the Bible. Turn with me to John chapter 14, verses 12 through 14. And that's towards the back of the books. So, let's see, John. Luke and John. Okay, are you there yet? Awesome. Okay, and here's what it says. I need my glasses. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whoever No, sorry. Whatever you ask in my name. Did you hear that? Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, not just something, anything in my name, remember it has to be in his name, I will do it. There you have it. Those that are followers of Jesus and are filled with the Holy Spirit, are able to do what Jesus did. Do you believe it? Yes. Awesome. Praise the Lord. He's, he's been giving the authority 
that when you ask in his name, he's going to empower us to do the things that he did. Jesus also tells us this in a special calling that he gives us. Please turn with me to Matthew chapter 28, uh, verses 18 through 20. Are you there yet? Okay, awesome. And it reads like this. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold... I am with you always. I love that. To the end of the age. When Jesus did these things, he didn't intend for them to be done. When he did the work of his father, he didn't intend for them to be done alone. No. He chose 12 men to help him, to work alongside him. When he sent them out, he always sent people in groups. In my opinion, I believe it's because he wanted them to have backup. Just like when we go out and pray for someone or do what Jesus did, we should always consider having backup because while those people or whatever the case is, when they were praying, when they were teaching, when they were casting out devils, whatever it was, they had people that were interceding. They were kind of like their backup, watching, seeking, and interceding on their behalf. So that's why I think it's important that we do things in community, in groups. Um, so Jesus liked uh, working or sending people out in groups so that they could work as a team. So if it was important to Jesus, it should be important to us too. We need to work in unity with each other, with one another, in order to put the things of God into motion. I pray that you don't just come to church to be an egg that goes bad. Now you're probably wondering, what is she talking about? Well, Pastor Braden, last week, if you weren't here, you missed a good one. Um, good message. Pastor Braden shared something that I believe he um, read in a C.S. Lewis book. And what it talked about, it said that there's two um, things that can happen to an egg. And I thought that was so awesome. So I, I asked if, if I could use it again. Um, just because it helps to repeat and to help us remember um, these messages. So, because uh, it's not just come to church, hear it, and then, you know, go back and Forget about it, no. So this was really good. This really stood out. And he says two things can happen to an egg. It can either hatch or it can go bad. And so I'm praying that we don't go bad. I'm praying that we all hatch and mature so that we can be of service to all those that need us. We're not here on earth for ourselves. We are here to serve others, to love others, to work alongside one another. We all have flaws, but 
we can work through those flaws. We are all in the process of obedience and sanctification. For the benefit of those of you that might be new to the faith or just don't recall what sanctification is, I'll tell you. Sanctification is a process of being made holy, free from sin. That's a process that we need to work through every day. It's a challenge. But with God, all things are possible. We all have weaknesses. We all have flaws. But if we work daily and allow Jesus to take charge of our life, we can accomplish that. We're not perfect. But there's no excuse to use that, the fact that we're not perfect, to move towards that goal of obedience and sanctification. I love that word, sanctification. Okay, although it's good that you're coming to church on Sundays, I'm really, really glad that you're all here today. But being a follower of Jesus is more than just coming to church on Sunday morning. It's about doing what Jesus did, not just inside the church, but outside of these four walls. To be like Jesus, as many of the other pastors have shared, is to, in previous messages, is to intentionally imitate him and do what he did. What do you do intentionally to imitate Jesus? How can people know that you are a follower of Christ? What is it about you that tells a stranger Someone you might meet on the bus or people don't take buses anymore, right? Maybe in the city. Um, but um, anyway, what, what is it about you that people can tell that you're a follower of Jesus? Well, in case you don't know, I'm going to share with you the joy of the Lord. It's that simple. The joy of the Lord is contagious. It's attractive. Put on a big smile. I've been told that I must inject myself in the mornings with what a friend calls Jesus Botox. That's what she says. She says, I have a Jesus Botox smile. So put on your Jesus Botox in the morning. It will help you. It will give you an awesome day. And you'll change the day of somebody else, too, that may be needing that beautiful smile of yours. Because you all have, let me see your beautiful smiles. I can't see with these glasses. Let me see. Oh, beautiful. Love it. Oh, I love your smile, buddy. Okay. Um, So we need to um, show um, what we look like, um, how how we represent Jesus, okay? Because a smile goes a long way. Proclaim the good news of Jesus through your word and your deed. Show compassion. Share a smile. Love on people. Share. Be generous. This may be the very thing that can attract someone to Jesus. Today we're going to look at, that was just my introduction. All right. Today we're going to look at doing what Jesus did. Jesus did a lot of supernatural things. If we want to be like Jesus... We need to do extraordinary supernatural things, right? What did Jesus actually spend his time on when he was here on earth? He spent his time doing his father's business. He was always 
about doing his father's business. So that's what we should be investing our time in as well. Jesus spent his time teaching, preaching, healing the sick, raising people from the dead. He reached out to the lost. He cast out demons. He was about destroying the works of the enemy. As I mentioned earlier, when Jesus did these things, he did not do it alone. He had people with him, always around him, so that they too could participate in these wonderful works and in these wonderful miracles. The other day, I was thinking, oh, how can I explain that? How can I get that in people's minds that we need to do things together as a church family, as brothers and sisters in Christ? And uh, last Sunday, we get up really early in the morning, so for breakfast, we turn on the Christian TV station, and uh, Dr. Tony Evans, you guys familiar with him? Yeah, he's outstanding. Um, He was preaching, I can't remember the title, but something that he said really stood out in my mind. And he said that when Jesus called Lazarus forward to come out of that cave, Jesus, I mean, uh, Lazarus didn't come out walking. He came out shuffling, right? He shuffled his way out. But then what happens next is, is really amazing. What happens next is that when he came out, he told everybody else that was around there to participate in that miracle by asking them to remove the grave cloth. So you see, they took part in that awesome miracle too. So um, he doesn't like to take credit just for himself. He wants other people to be involved in the work that he does. So I thought that was really a great example. I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. That's exactly what I needed to share my fr- with my friends today. Um, as you probably noticed throughout the Bible, that's how Jesus did things. He did things in community with others. He loved to be around people. He was always fellowshipping and breaking bread. These are the very same things that we as followers of Christ, as brothers and sisters in Christ, these are the kind of things that we need to be doing too. Not for our glory, but for his glory. And to serve others and be around others. If you're not engaged in these activities, you need to ask yourself, why not? Are you spending too much time on social media, perhaps? On the things that really don't matter to God? Instead, we should be doing what God has called us to do. Are fear and doubt keeping you from doing what Jesus did? Sorry if I keep dancing around here, but I'm just really excited, so I move around a lot. So hope I'm not making you dizzy. All right. Although you guys all look a little dizzy to me with these reading glasses, but that's okay. Sorry. Okay, I'll get back to this. Um, We have so many resources at our disposal to do what Jesus did. Most importantly, we have the power of the Holy Spirit that's living inside of us if you're a follower of Christ, right? And that power will help us. He's our helper. We also have freedom. We have liberty. We have running water, heat, electricity, flushing toilets for that matter. Oh, my goodness, it is really hard when we go on those mission trips and those toilets don't flush. So I praise God every day for our toilets. Um, We have stores where we could buy different things that we need. We have the Internet. We have cell phones. We have paved roads. 
We have planes, trains, automobiles. We are blessed beyond measure, brothers and sisters. But you know, back in Jesus' day, life was a lot harder. Jesus didn't have any of these things. The roads weren't paved. Everywhere he traveled, he had to walk on dirt roads. Well, an occasional donkey ride, but most of the time he was walking, right? Not to mention the weather challenges that he must have faced. And yet, he went and he traveled miles and miles to teach, to preach, to heal the sick, to feed the poor, to fellowship with people. We have cars, and yet it probably could be months before we go visit a friend. Um, and instead of reaching out to them by phone so that they can hear your lovely faces or your, your lovely voice and sometimes see your lovely faces if you have that, um, what's that thing called? FaceTime, FaceTime thank you. Yeah, um, I would much rather hear your voice than receive a text, but yet... We don't, we don't do that kind of thing. We don't connect with each other anymore. It's all kind of impersonal. When Jesus arrived to his destination, I can only imagine he probably had really dirty feet, stinky feet, uh, achy feet. Um, and yet he, he went through all of that just to do the things that his father asked of him we have it really really good don't we compared to what Jesus went through and yet we have the nerve to complain about serving in the church or serving other people or serving at special outreach events that's my heart um, so when I come with my little clipboard to ask you, would you like to volunteer? Don't dodge me. I'm coming after you. <laughs> so that you can do what Jesus did. Okay? All right. Um, and that's coming up real soon. All right. <laughs> um, so let's not, if, if, we come, if we just come to church on Sundays, we're really not being the church. Church starts when we leave this place and do the things that Jesus did. We must be doing what Jesus did and tell others about Jesus especially. People are dying out there. They're not just, just dying physically. They're dying spiritually. They're on their way to hell, folks. And we need to open our mouths. We need to get courageous and go out there and give them the word of God so that they can come and be fellow followers of Jesus. We need to, he doesn't really need our help, but he uses people. He uses people so that we can fill heaven and empty out hell. We need you. We need you, folks. There's a lot of tools available for those of you who are introverts like me. This is a scary thing. I'm telling you, this is way out of my comfort zone. But you know what? With Christ, you can do all things. And so the tools that I want to share with you are, for example, you can um, purchase gospel tracts. 
And so if you're an introvert and you don't really, or, or if you don't have time, let's say you're visiting someone at a hospital and a nurse or a doctor walks in, you can just kind of slip them a little gospel track because they're usually in a hurry so you really don't have time to engage in conversation with them. But if you just give them a little something that they can take back with them, you know, it's going to go a long way. There's um, all kinds of things. And this is actually an investment in kingdom work. You don't have to expect the church to provide all of this for you. There's little bracelets that you can give out too. And uh, the cards have um, the gospel presentation in color. So all of these little colors represent something for folks to share the gospel. So you can memorize these and then make it your own. I give these all the time. When I'm at Walmart, I, I kind of look around first to make sure, you know, things are safe. And so I, oh, I, f- I forgot to take off my apron. Oh, I guess I'll leave it on. Um, so, I, and I'll just slip in my pocket. And before I pay, I just give the clerk one of these little gospel tracks. Um, at the hospital, I do that too. Everywhere I go, I always make sure that I am carrying the word of God that I can share with others. I can't really think of a time when I haven't had one available. I usually have several in my pocket, um, in my car, um, everywhere, so that I can always be ready to share the gospel with others. There's even little things like these really cool pens I just got. They have a secret compartment where the gospel presentation is in the secret pen. I was at the restaurant the other day, and um, a waitress was looking for a pen. And I said, oh, here, I have one for you. I said, but this is no ordinary pen. This is a pen with a message. And these little pens, they actually have um, a little insert in them. They're wrapped, um, and it tells them how to go about finding that hidden message. So these are really clever, too. And they're not very expensive. And if you'd like, later on, you can see me, and I'll be happy to give you the website Um, I was hoping to contact them to see if we could get a list together. But anyway, let's just leave that at that. Um, Let's see. But we have to have a burden for the lost, for people that don't know Jesus, because their eternity is at stake. We should demonstrate to others, not just with words, but with actions, what being like Jesus is really looks like, what being saved, most importantly, looks like. Because you can put on a smile and it could be fake. So put on a genuine smile. Apply the all-purpose, genuine, full-strength, Holy Spirit, Jesus Botox. Got it? Okay. You can order it at, no, just kidding. Okay. (laughs) Let's look at a few more things that Jesus did. That you can start doing if you aren't doing it already. From a very early age, Jesus found himself in the temple. He liked to be where he could learn about God. We should feel that way too. That's why you, most of you probably come to church, right? So that you can learn the word of God. But it's not just at church. You have a Bible? Crack it open. Don't let it collect dust. All right? Learn the word of God. Practice the word of God and share the word of God so that you can bring other followers for Christ. One of the marks of becoming like Jesus 
is to share his passion for God's house. To play a part in making it all that God intends it to, to be. All right? People look to the pastor and the leaders for guidance and instructions on how to live for Jesus. It's not the pastor's job to share, to, to um, bring people closer to God, although that is one of the things, but he needs help. He can't do it all alone. He needs, let's just equate it to the Holy Spirit. He, he's, he can only be in one place, but he's got all these beautiful sheep that can do what Jesus did to help him move what God wants to do here in this place forward for his glory. When Jesus ran into the woman at the well in John chapter 4, verse 7, you don't have to turn that there right now, he demonstrated that we need to be kind to people of all nationalities. Back then it was unheard of for a Jew to be in contact or, in, or talking to a Samaritan. They just did not associate with one another. But from this story, we can learn that we shouldn't think that just because people look different than us, people act different than us, um, people are from different nationalities, that we should not associate with them. Just like Jesus did with this Samaritan woman, we should also share the good news with people of all nations. This church is getting so pretty with all the different colors, different nationalities from all over the world, and uh, it just thrills me to see that we're just not black and white. We're a mixture of colors, and it, you guys are just beautiful. Let me share a testimony with you. Sorry, but I'm not looking at that clock. Okay. Um, <laughs> I hope you don't mind. Do you mind? Okay, good. Praise the Lord. Let me share a testimony with you um, on how Jesus has used me and um, a team that goes on mission trips with the Illinois District Women's Ministry. Um, every year around June, we go out, and there are several women from our church that come along as well. Well, we had an opportunity to go and visit um, Guatemala, and in Guatemala, we were going to this place in the mountains where no missionaries had ever gone before. So we had no idea what to expect. Well, when we get there, there's a really long line and um, there's a bunch of people just kind of shoving each other, trying to get to the inside of this tiny little hut where our medical team was going to um, see the people uh, that were lined up. And so... Um, I had the privilege of working in the children's ministry because uh, I get that a lot since I entertain children, uh, but I love it. And so I was part of the children's ministry and uh, I, my, my stage name is Lollipop the Clown. So Lollipop went along to entertain the kids and um, I don't do it anymore for business purposes. Now I only do it for ministry purposes. Um, and so... Uh, I was going there with the team to share the gospel with the kids using balloons. I tell stories using balloons. Uh, we were going to do some face painting. We were going to pray with the families. So it was a whole children's program that we were going to do. Um, and so when we started the program, we were able to um, 
do, uh, share the gospel. We were able to play a couple games. But all of a sudden, it's like the kids just started acting inappropriately. And so they started shoving, fighting, taking our stuff. And so we were like, okay, what do we do now? And uh, so we prayed. But uh, the pastor, the local pastor that was there decided that we were going to stop the program. We tried to stop for a little while to see if maybe they would, you know, ease up a little bit. So um, two of the girls and I decided, okay, we're going to go sit in the back of this pickup truck that belonged to one of the missionary assistants. And so we sat there, but all of a sudden, the kids just got around the truck, and they started rocking the truck back and forth. And they started stoning us, throwing little stones and little um, acorns at us. And so when the owner of the car saw that, I'm not sure if he was more concerned about us or the car. No, I'm, I'm thinking he was concerned about us. So he decides he's going to take us back to where the buses were parked because the roads were so narrow, these dirt roads, so they didn't have enough space to, put, to, to park two large buses. And so um, he took us to where the buses were because they kind of had to take me, especially since I was dressed in clown, um, away from, you know, that, that area because the kids were just really out of control. So we went to the bus, and uh, when we got to the bus, the two bus drivers were sitting in the back of the truck having lunch. Well, when they came back, uh, when they finished their lunch, they came forward to the front of the bus, and so I just started engaging. The other two girls didn't speak Spanish, so I was the only one, but I would share whatever we were talking about, you know, translated to the other two girls. And so I just got curious, and so I asked one of the drivers um, if he was saved, if he knew Jesus. And he said, oh, yeah, I've walked with Jesus for many years. But the other guy, he didn't say a word. Uh, so one of the girls said, hey, Alma, ask him if he knows, if he, he's a follower. So I said, okay, I'll ask him. So I asked him, and he stood really quiet, awkward. Um, so then uh, he finally said, no, I don't know Jesus. I don't care about Jesus. And um, I, you know, for 20 years, um, he did something to me, and I'm just mad at God. So I was like, okay, Holy Spirit, where do we go from here? So, um, being the evangelist that I think I am, I uh, took my paper out, and so I started drawing and sharing with him the bridge illustration. I'm sure many of you are familiar with it. Well, I'm not sure, but the Holy Spirit took over, and let me tell you, this man started crying, and I'm thinking, okay, we're going to win this one for the Lord today. Not, not yet. Um, but anyway... Um, he starts to open up, and he starts sharing with me what happened. He said that his wife was saved, and 20 years ago, he had come home from a very long run because, you know, they have to leave their homes for a very long period of time to take missionaries to different places, so they're gone for sometimes weeks at a time. And so he had come home, he was tired, he was hungry, and, forgive me for this, but a typical Hispanic male he wants his food on the table when he gets home. I'm sure some of you would agree. And this did not happen. So he was furious. So he gets in his car and he goes to the church because his wife was always in church. This happened to be a Sunday. But what happened was that the pastor 
um, he called an impromptu meeting, so she thought she would have enough time, you know, to make it back home in time. So she stayed for the meeting. Well, he gets there and he starts making a big stink about her not being there and his food and blah, blah, blah. And so the wife says to him, you know, God's going to punish you. God's going to punish you because you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit. So anyway, long story short, they go home. The next day, the bus driver gets on his bus. He's only a few blocks from home. This little boy runs across his uh, bus. He strikes the child. He gets out of the bus. He goes to see what happened. He killed the child. This child was his 10-year-old neighbor's son. This man was devastated. And so he thought that that was his punishment. He believed what his wife had told him. And so for 20 years, he wanted nothing to do with God. So he just kept talking and sharing story after story to make this uh, go quicker about how God had been pursuing him, but he, his heart was hardened. He was mad at God, and so he, would, he didn't want to hear um, anything about God. People tried, but nothing. So anyway, long story short, by the time we were done, we all cried. Um, it was just amazing. Um, and I told him, you know, you don't have to make this decision today, although I really wanted to get that decision, especially after 20 years the Lord had been pursuing him, and he was still, you know, his heart was rock solid. So um, we had about, I don't know, four or six hours together. I can't, I can't remember, but it was a long time because they didn't want to take us back to the area because of the kids. So the, the team was going to be serving for that long period of time. So we had a lot of time to talk. And so um, right before our team was going to reunite with us, I asked him if I could pray with him. So I held his hands, we prayed, and then we said goodbye. Well, the next day, well, in the mornings before we started serving, we had uh, a prayer circle. And so we would pray for different things. Well, I find out later, because I was busy um, doing some decorations for the altar. We were expecting like 600 children from uh, the different schools that day, so I didn't get to participate in the prayer circle. I was being Martha. Um, so anyway, um, the next day, or no, actually that evening, I find out that this man that had been mad at God for 20 years joined our prayer circle, and he asked for prayer, and he received Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Glory to God. So I tell you all of this, not to boast about what I did, because I can't do crap. Sorry. I can't do it. I can't do anything. <laughs> but I can do all things through Christ. So our team and I were able to minister to this man. The next day, our team leader gave him a Bible, and after that, this man's countenance was just amazing. You could see the peace, the love of Jesus in him, and I give all the glory to God. And that's the kind of thing 
that Jesus can do through you. Just as the Lord used my teammates and I to lead this bus driver whose heart was hard for that many years, he can use you too to help somebody forgive another person, to find hope and experience God's peace. Jesus restored people. That's another thing he did. He forgave people. He helped people find peace. He was a peacemaker. He showed compassion. And he can use you too, if you allow him to, to help reunite families, to bring home a wayward son or daughter that's been gone for a long time. He can help you. He can use you to pray for someone's salvation to pray over someone that's sick and he'll heal them. You have the power to even rebuke evil spirits. Did you know that? You have that power inside of you. You just got to let it out. Jesus had the authority. It was given to him by God. And you can do the things that Jesus did. But you have to step out in faith. You have to believe Just like the Samaritan woman at the well who became Jesus' spokesperson, you too can share and ask the Holy Spirit to help draw people unto Jesus. We can't do everything, but we can do something. What has Jesus sent you to do? Don't be afraid. The Holy Spirit will guide you. He'll protect you. He'll give you the words to reach others for Jesus. He just needs you to be available. There's really no experience necessary. He's looking for people that are willing to do whatever it takes to share his love for others. All of these things, all this power potential is amazing and it's good, right? But please remember that it's not your good works that save you or help you draw closer to Jesus. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, For by faith you have been saved through faith. For, for, for by grace you have been faith. Yeah. For by grace you have... I hear the music and I'm like, okay, I'm running over. Um, but stay with me. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift from God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. This is Paul talking. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Your good works can't save you. Remember, it's by grace and faith and your trust in Jesus that you're saved. Your faith and trust in Jesus is what draws you into a closer relationship with Jesus. It says it in James 4, 8. If you draw close to him, he's going to draw close to you. You can do what Jesus did. You can serve in the church by participating in missions, whether it be local or international. You can serve at outreach events. Serve in some form, shape, shape or form in the church. There's so many ways that you can do what Jesus did. If you're gifted in teaching, you can teach a Bible study. If you're gifted in music, 
hey, we can use you. You can try out. Doesn't mean you're going to get it, but, you know, we, we have to make sure that you can really sing, not just in the shower. And so you can, uh, you can try out for the worship team. If you're great with kids, we have an awesome opportunity for you to pour into the lives of the next generation of followers of Jesus. You can volunteer to work in the children's ministry. Your selfless acts and your obedience and devotion to the master can help transform the world. On the other hand, other, or rather than, other than teach and preach, you can also heal the sick by laying hands on them. He healed people that were blind, people that were deaf, people with leprosy, which is a skin disorder. He healed the lame, and he healed those that were possessed by demons. I remember one time, actually a couple of times, he used me to cast out a demon. That was scary. But again, through Christ, you can do all things. I wish I had time to share that story, but the clock is running over. Um, so so I'm not, I'll share it with you another time. Today, Jesus is still in the miracle uh, working business. A few months ago, my husband had surgery, and I laid hands on him. I called all kinds of people. I know there are many of you here that were praying for him. And to the glory of God, the doctors had said that there were going to be certain things that weren't going to work right. Not true. God healed my husband. And you have the power to do that through prayer. Prayer is so key to working those miracles that Jesus did. Doing what Jesus did and being a reflection of Jesus in your own life reminds me that you guys are all valuable. You have the opportunity to shine for Jesus. You can shine and sparkle just like Jesus did. And that's represented by this diamond, Jesus. He's the big guy. He's the big guy that can make it all happen if you just let him. If you put him in the center of everything that you do. He can make something beautiful out of you, out of you, out of you, out of you, out of all of you. But you have to give him your heart. You have to give him your time. You have to give him your talents. You have to give him your abilities. He will look past our flaws and weaknesses and he will use us for his glory. Not for our glory, but for his glory and for the benefit of others. Just like the tools in the workshop, he can make something beautiful out of you and your life. Church, we're better together. If we work in unity, there's no telling where God's going to take us, where he's going to take this church, where he's going to take our community. But we have to pull together to make that happen. We can't do it alone. He doesn't want us to do ministry alone. He wants us to work in community with our brothers and sisters in Christ. There's so many people out there that need you, that need your gifts, your talents, your resources that God has blessed you with. Let's not be selfish. Just like Jesus, you have love to share. You have compassion 
to demonstrate, people to heal, poor people to feed, widows to take care of, people to pray for. As Braden comes up, he's already playing, but um, I'll finish with this. Let's shine your light in everything that you do. Give your life to Jesus. Serve him by serving others so that you can be the gem that he created you to be. Isaiah 62.13 says, You shall be a crown of beauty in the hands of the Lord and a royal diadem, that's a headband, in the hands of our God. The thing about precious gems, folks, is that you want to display them, right? When you first get engaged, it's like, oh, let me see the ring. You want to display that gem. And that's no different than the Lord. He wants to use you. He wants to display you. He wants to show what he can do in and through you. He wants others to see how he has changed your life, how he has transformed your family, your marriage, so that others can be encouraged and motivated to do the things that he did. One day, folks, we're going to stand in his presence as jewels for his crown. Do what Jesus did. And if you do that, he's going to keep you fit and shining bright so that you will be used by the master. Church, all of you are diamonds ready to sparkle for Jesus. In a few minutes, I'm going to invite you to the altar to make a commitment or renew your commitment to Jesus. I want us to be bold and courageous. I want us to do that, to spend a little time before Jesus, to be with Jesus, to be like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did because you can help transform this church, this community, and the world. All it takes is for you to put your faith and trust in him. Make yourself available, and he's going to use you for his glory. A church that is doing what Jesus did is a church that serves for God's glory and for the benefit of others. Let's serve and live with passion for Jesus so that his name, not ours, his name and his fame can be made known. I want to see every one of you in heaven someday. And the way that you can know for sure if you're going to heaven is if you put your trust in Jesus. It's really simple. He's made it so simple. All you have to do is repent and accept him as your Lord and Savior. God wants you to have what we call the gift of salvation. And you can have that gift by believing that Jesus died for your sins and asking him to come into your heart and your life. Ask him to help you turn away from the wrong things that you do. Remember, sanctification is a process. Every day we commit sin, even just with our thoughts. But that's no excuse for you not to ask our master to help you with that. When you do this, you'll have God's guarantee that if you were to die today, you're going to go to heaven 
for eternity to be with our Lord. As the worship team comes up and as the altar team comes up, I'm going to make three different invitations today. If there's somebody out here that does not know Jesus and you want to be sure that when you leave this earth, you will be in the presence of the Lord, I'd like you to come up. Be bold and courageous and come up for prayer. You have a church family that's going to love you, that's going to pray with you, that's going to be with you. No lo decimos de boca para afuera. There's a, I don't know if it translates well in English, but we're not just um, using our mouth to say that. We really practice what we preach here at Church on the Rock. Today's your day. Jesus is your lifesaver, and he's pursuing you just like he was pursuing that man for 20 years. Like the story in the Bible with blind Bartimaeus who cried out to Jesus when he heard that he was passing through town. He didn't let Jesus pass him by. No, he made a lot of noise. Don't live another day without Jesus. Don't live another day without the power that his name carries so that you can be that follower of Jesus and do what Jesus did. Second, if you've been sitting on the sidelines for a while, you've been coming to church for a long time, but you haven't gotten involved in church, this is your day too. This is your opportunity to come up before the Lord. And you don't necessarily have to come up to one of these people. They are here for you. But if you want to do it alone, you know, just you and God, that's okay too. Come and make that commitment before the Lord that you're going to get, start getting involved, that you're going to start um, practicing what is preached here at Church on the Rock. And finally, if you've noticed all these diamonds here on the altar, I would like you to come and pick one up. I'm sorry that they're not real. This is all I could afford. But I just want you to let these diamonds remind you that you, you have the potential. You have the ability to be a gem for Jesus. So I want you to come up and take one. Make sure that you keep it away from small children. I hate that we have to say that, you know, but in this day and age, we have to use that little disclaimer. But yes, make sure that you... Take it home with you. Look at it. Spend time with Jesus and ask him, Lord, how can I be sparkling, shining like this diamond for your glory, Lord? Use me, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Send me. You can be that gem in the hands of your master. You have that ability. Your destiny can become a reality when you follow Jesus. So come. Come and pick up your diamond. Come and receive the most precious gift of all, which is your salvation. He's pursuing you. He wants you to come. Don't miss that opportunity. If you've been
information and to stay up to date with what's happening in the life of Church on the Rock, please visit us on the web at cotrag.org. Thanks again for tuning in.